0: You're listening to Ari Goldwag's Parsha Podcast, recorded in Ramat Beit Israel, 5767. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Pinchas. At the end of the Parsha, the Torah commands the people of Israel to bring special sacrifices on each of the holidays of the year, whether it's Sukkot, Sukis, or it's Passover, Pesach, whether it's Shavuos, or whether it's Yom Kippur. Each of these days has their own special sacrifice, that was to be brought in the Temple in Jerusalem. Now the Torah states that on the first seven days of Sukkot, each one of those days, there was a different number of bull offerings that was brought. The verse states in chapter 29, verse 13, On the first day of Sukkot, they were to bring 13 bulls. On the second day, the Torah says in verse 17, they were to bring 12 On the third day they brought eleven, and so on. Each day, one less. All the way until the seventh day, when only seven bulls were brought. So, can you picture this? You're going from thirteen, to twelve, to eleven, to ten, to nine, eight, seven. And then on the eighth day, what should it be? You would think six. But actually, the Torah says, that on the eighth day, only one bull offering was brought. The Talmud, in tractate Sukkah, on page 55b, notes that if you add up all of the bull offerings for the first 7 days 13, plus 12, plus 11 plus 10, plus 9, plus 8, plus 7 the total is 70 so for the first 7 days 70 bull offerings were brought on the 8th day as we, as we mentioned, only 1 was brought the Talmud states that the 70 bulls that were brought on the first 7 days correspond to the 70 nations of the world The single bull that was brought on the eighth day corresponds to the single nation of Israel, Klal Yisrael, the Jews. Now the Gemara, the Talmud, explains this with a parable. The Gemara says there was once a king who decided that he wanted to make a tremendous feast for his subjects. So for seven days he had a party, he invited all of his subjects, they all came and they feasted, they enjoyed the great wine, beautiful music. And then at the end of the seven days he said, the party's over, time for everyone to go home. As all the subjects were leaving, the king's favorite subject was also on his way out. And the king tapped him on the shoulder and said to him, no, 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 you are staying. One more day. I want one day with just me and you. You're my favorite subject. I want to spend the time with you. The same thing is true. And this is what we see from the bull offerings on Sukkot. The first seven days, the nations of the world had their day, as if to say. On the eighth day, God says, I just want to spend some time just with you, just with my people, the people of Israel. Now, for a moment, I'd like to explore the significance of the number seven and the number eight. Because we see that the first seven days, Correspond to the nations of the world and the 8th day corresponds to the Jewish nation the people of Israel now the number 7 in Hebrew is Sheva 7 when we think of 7 the number that comes to mind is the 7 days of the week and that, and that represents the fact that the number 7 corresponds to nature the word 7 in Hebrew is Sheva which means Savua satisfied now the number 8 corresponds to something different the number 8 represents in above nature. The thing that's above nature is the spiritual world. The number 8 in Hebrew is shmonah coming from the root shamen which means fat or obese. The number 7 represents everything is equal. Everything is savua satisfied. Shmonah is greater something something above it. Shamen fat it's above the nature. It's above mere satisfaction. Now that we understand that the number eight means above nature, we have to understand what it means to be above nature. What does it mean the spiritual world is above the physical world? There's no above because spiritual is not physical. So you can't talk about above, you can't talk about relationship of space when you're not talking about something that's spatial. So what does it mean that the spiritual world is above the physical world? Now there's another Gemara, another Talmudic statement, that's brought down in tractate Kedushan, on page 69a. The Gemara there says, that the highest place in the world is not Mount Everest. Actually, the highest place in the world is Jerusalem. And the highest land in the world, the highest country in the world, is Israel. Now what does that mean? Because we know that physically it's not true. We know that in the physical world, there are definitely places that are higher above sea level, than Jerusalem, and higher above sea level than Israel. In fact, the lowest place in the world is in Israel. The Dead Sea is the lowest place in the world, below sea level. So what does it mean when the Gemara says, when the Talmud states that Israel and Jerusalem are the highest place in the world? In fact, the commentaries explain that Israel, when we say it's the highest place in the world, and that Jerusalem is the highest place in the world, it means that spiritually, there's no higher spiritual place in the world. In fact, that's why all Jews throughout the world, no matter where they are, no matter which part of the world they are, they are facing towards Jerusalem when they pray. The Jews face the place which is the highest place in the world, spiritually, because that's the way you have to send your prayers through if you want them to get up to God. God hears you wherever you are, of course, but the right way to direct it is through the highest spiritual place in the world, and that is Jerusalem. Now the question is, what is so special about Jerusalem that it has this status that it's the highest place in the world? Now, if we think about it, the focal place of Jerusalem actually is the Har Habayis, the Temple Mount. That's the place where the Holy Temple stood for hundreds of years until it was destroyed in the year 70 CE, approximately. Now, the question is, what was so special about this Temple? I mean, we have synagogues all over the world, everywhere you go. We've got these great synagogues. Jews come from all over to pray and to worship and to hear sermons from their rabbis. What was so special about the temple in Jerusalem? The answer to this question is that unique to the temple in Jerusalem was the ability to bring sacrifices. Now, what's, what's the point of the sacrifices? What were their purpose? On the surface, it seems like something that some might even describe as barbaric, just killing animals for no reason. Why are you killing the animals for? What did they do to you? But the answer is that a sacrifice, in Hebrew, the word is korban. The word korban comes from the root karev. Karev means to come close. The purpose of the sacrifices was to bring one close to God. There were a number of different types of sacrifices. There were sacrifices that were brought when someone would sin. They would bring the sacrifice as an atonement for their sin. It was a teaching tool. Really, when they saw that this animal was going up in smoke on the altar in the temple, they would think to themselves, you know, that should really be me. I really deserve to die for my transgression against God, for doing something that was against the will of Hashem. It would bring them to do tshuva, it would bring them to repent and say, you know, my relationship with God is not the relationship that it should be. And this is how the korban would bring them close to God. Another example of a korban that brings us close to God is there's a korban toda, a korban of thanks. We would bring a korban to God if something very good happened to us, we were put in a dangerous situation and we were saved miraculously, we would bring a korban todah, a thanksgiving offering to Hashem, to thank Him for all the good that He did to us. That's really the purpose of all of the karbanas, of all of the sacrifices, to connect man to God. Now not only was the Beis HaMikdash, the Holy Temple, a place of connecting to God through the sacrifices, but it was also a place where the prophets would come to attain their high levels of prophecy. In fact, Rabbi Arya Kaplan says that the cherubim, the angelic figures that were placed upon the Ark of the Covenant that was inside of the Holy of Holies, was actually the center of a meditation that the prophets would do in order to attain their high levels of prophecy. From all this we see that the Temple was a place of connecting man to God, the place where we could go to attain spirituality. This is what the Gemara means, what the Talmud means when it says that Jerusalem is a place that's higher than anywhere else in the world. The reason that it's higher, spiritually, is because it's a place of connecting to God. This is the understanding of the number 8. When we say that 8 is Lamalem and 8 is above nature, it means that it's something connecting man to God, connecting to the spiritual world. That's what 8 is specifically on the 8th day of Sukkot, That's the day that Hashem says, that God says to His people of Israel, just me and you. It's only between me and you. Because on the 8th day, it's a day of connection. Israel is the people that bring spirituality to the world. It's a day of God saying, let's infuse you with spirituality. It's not a coincidence that the 8th day of Sukkot is also celebrated throughout the world by Jews everywhere as Simchas Torah, the rejoicing of the completion of the Torah. Because the connection, the spiritual glue, so to speak, between man and God, between the people of Israel and God, is the Torah. The Torah tells us exactly what we can do to attain spirituality. All the actions that we do, every time we do a mitzvah, we put on tefillin, we wear our tzitzes, all of these mitzvahs, what they do is they elevate us spiritually and connect us to God, bind us, as it were, to God. That's the celebration of an eighth day, the eighth day that's above nature, a day of connecting to Hashem. As I speak, it's right now the 17th day of Tammuz, which marks the beginning of the three-week period of mourning for the destruction of the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. May it be rebuilt speedily in our days. Now, I just heard a story that I'd like to share with you that really applies to this period of time on the jewish calendar this morning period for the temple when napoleon bonaparte was taking over europe conquering every country one day he came into a certain town and he passed by a synagogue and he heard all the jews of the town crying and he didn't know why they were crying he would passed by many a synagogue before and he never heard these jews crying so he walked inside and he spoke to the rabbi and the rabbi told him that the reason that we're crying today is because our holy temple was destroyed on this day. Today is the ninth of Av. And we're so sad that it was destroyed that that's why we're crying." Napoleon was a little bit taken aback. He said, When was this temple destroyed? I never heard about this temple. What are you you talking about? And the rabbi responded, it was destroyed about 1,700 years ago. Napoleon couldn't believe his ears. 1,700 years ago and you're still crying? You're still crying after 1700 years and Napoleon said to them if you can still cry 1700 years later it's a sign that you will for sure be able to see your temple be rebuilt now 1700 years it's a long time and now it's almost 2,000 years why are we still crying what are we so sad about during this 3 year period we don't listen to music we don't shave we don't take any haircuts, we don't, we don't do things that are extremely happy, we don't have marriages during this time. What is it that we're so sad about that 2,000 years later we can still be crying? And the answer really has to do with all that we said until now. The answer is that when there was a temple, when there was a base Hamikdash, it was the opportunity for us to connect to God in a way that was not, that's not possible today. And it won't be possible until the temple is rebuilt we're not just crying about something that happened 2,000 years ago. We're crying about our present state of lack of spirituality. That's what we're crying for. And we're crying, Hashem, God, please just bring back the Holy Temple so that we can reconnect to you, so that we can see the spirituality in the world and not be so blinded by the physical. Please, Hashem, bring that back. That's what we're asking. That's what this time is, the three weeks. And that's the message of Shemini Atzeres and the message of the Beis HaMikdash. The message is to connect to Hashem, to connect to God. May we all merit to see the rebuilding of the Holy Temple, the third and final Holy Temple, speedily and in our days. Amen.